the rut, that magical time of year that requires patience, endurance, and precision to capitalize on that giant. At ICO Gear, we're continuing to innovate. From 100% windproofing to our dead quiet noise-canceling fabrics, our gear is designed to keep you better concealed and in the stand longer than ever before. When you're spending hours and hours, day after day, grinding it out, ICO is here to keep you hidden and comfortable. Shop ASIOgear.com. The climbing stick has finally gone metal-free. Our goal for the Carbon SS climbing sticks was to make them as light as possible without sacrificing durability. And we wanted to make them stack flush so they're compact for saddle hunters and tree stand hunters. The new aerospace carbon fiber technology allowed us to achieve ultra-light weight specs and removed all moving parts and hardware for improved durability. The sticks also feature our patent-pending metal-free attachment method that makes setup easier, faster, and quieter. The Carbon SS climbing sticks are made right here in the USA and come with a five-year manufacturer's warranty. For more information, visit LatitudeOutdoors.com. Welcome to the Life Outdoors podcast. Our mission is to educate, entertain, and motivate. We speak life into and through the outdoors. Now join your hosts, Nate Bailey and Gage Bailey, as we navigate through the mountains of this life. Hello, welcome to another edition of the Life Outdoors podcast. And today we have a very special guest with us, Will Primos from Primos Calls or Primos Outdoors. How, how do you say that, Will? Is it Primos Calls? It's, it's Primos Hunting Calls is um, P-R-I-M-O-S. Primos is my is my given name, is uh, the name of the company. You know, probably starting out, I'd have never named that company Primos because I didn't know where I was going or what I was doing, but that, that's what we... That's what we called it, and it stuck. So uh, I guess it ended up working at any rate. <laughs> yeah, I think I think to any hunter's uh, you know set of calls, if if they don't know what Primos is, then they probably haven't been hunting very long. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate the compliment. One of the things that I, I wanted to go over, and and I with all of my guests, I have what they call the cliche corner that I start out with, and it's a cliche because. Every podcast asks this, but, you know, really, I just want to know, what's your favorite animal to hunt? Oh, you know, I've been asked that before, and um, I guess you'd have to, you have to put some, some guidelines around the question. Um, if you ask me that in September, it's definitely going to be elk. <laughs> and I love being in that country. I love the physical aspect of it. I love being challenged. Um, I'm 66 years old, so this year, you know, we we did some fairly you know, tough stuff. And um, I'm hunting with guys running cameras that are in their mid 20s, and um, you know, we never we never skipped a beat. And that was fun, just knowing I could still do it, and that I I care about what I eat and and how I go about you know, conducting my life. So all those things they had to being able to help me do that. Um, but if, you know, if it was springtime and I'm in Mississippi and it's uh, mid-March and, and early April, it's going to be turkey. Um, if it's going to be sometime in December, January, when the, <laughs> the earth's tilting and it's getting colder and the fronts are coming down south and we've got sleep, 
and maybe ice and maybe snow for a couple of days and those fronts are pushing the ducks out of the upper midwest and out of the Ohio River system and on down and you know I love waterfowl mm. that's really one of the first attractions I had hunting whitetails you know if it's uh I, you know I love figuring out a big whitetail and and going in and and going when the wind's right and all that and trying to call up intercept bushwhack a big mature five and a half six and a half year old whitetail that's tough and right. that's fun um but you, as you get older those everything changes you know um you you, you start reflecting on life and on people and things and so I, I don't i just love being out there and you know i I'm standing there in the mountains this year looking at God's creation. Yesterday, I was sitting in a tree <laughs> listening to barges going down the Mississippi River, yeah. um, hoping hoping that a, a big mature whitetail we had on camera would come and approach this persimmon tree that was dropping persimmons. <laughs> all of those things mean so much. God created it all. I love it. Uh, you know, I love being there. I love being close to it. Uh, I can't say there's anything that that's the one favorite, but I will tell you this. If, if you had to tell me that because of physical ability, age, or whatever, if I could only do one, which one would it be? It would be I'd want to be sitting in the mountains no matter how I got there in September, <laughs> and I'd want to be in the spring woods during turkey season. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, We uh, I do both here as well, and, and that – that turkey season has got i'm an oregon boy so you know we didn't hunt turkeys when i was growing up and now within just the last probably 20 years we've really came on to it and so yeah the turkey thing has really got a got in into us too so mm-hmm. it's kind of well, like know, the, the, the wild the wild turkey is such an incredible animal um the, 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 they, they, the eastern wild turkey the pure eastern living lives in the they aren't anything like turkeys in other parts of the country now i've hunted some miriams and some rios that were bad mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and acted like easterns but on a consistent basis uh i may sit down to uh like last year for the first time in 40 years i sat down by myself i didn't have a cameraman with me because I, i'm starting to slow down and not be on camera every time and i went by myself to my on my own place and sat there in big, huge ravines and rolling hills. So you may, it'd be like hunting some parts of Idaho that I've been in where, you know, you better have one leg shorter than the other one because, <laughs> you know, going, <laughs> it's just that, it's that steep. And right. I shot this turkey at, at, at 10 yards as he stuck his head up over the top, top of a, just a hogback ridge. And, um, you know, to be there and to hear him, and to do battle with him one-on-one and to be able to do it, it, it it's just really special. Uh, I, I, that time of year, of course, my hearing's not as good as it used to be. I've shot too many guns with unprotected <laughs> hearing, and I'll tell all your listeners right now, don't, don't take your hearing for granted, whether it's hammers on steel, chainsaws, leaf blowers, whatever it is. If you've got over 80 decibels you're in the you're getting in the threshold of damage to your nerve and your ear 
and, and you're going to lose your hearing earlier than you want to, especially your high frequency. So protect your hearing. Right. You know, I found a little bit of that this year, Elkut, and some of the boys were hearing those long off bugles that I couldn't hear. I just plain couldn't hear them. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, okay. Second question I have for you, and is and this is kind of cliche too, is what's on your radar? What What do you got planned for this next hunting season? Well, we just got through with uh, with elk season, and we we we've learned over the years. Um, we've accessed some fantastically well-managed lands, be it public or private. Sure. Um, and, uh, you know, we were at a place, it's, it's southern Colorado. It's in the San Diego de Cristo mountain range. Oh. Beautiful place. Incredible. goes up to 13.5, I think. Um, maybe th- maybe 13.8. But at any rate, it's just a beautiful place. And it was warm, even up that high. When you expected it to be 40 degrees, it was more like 60, between 60 and 65, incredibly warm. And I don't know if that had something to do with it or not, but the elk didn't turn on the whole time we were there. We didn't get there until September 10th. We left the 16th. And um, they never never got into that just intense rut stage. We saw one group of eight bulls, mature five-and-a-half-plus-year-old bulls together. Wow. And... That was really strange for me. I've never yeah. seen that before. We got on to New Mexico, on across the border, um, still in that particular area, but uh, in, in near near Santa Fe. As a matter of fact, we're looking at the Santa Fe Trail when we're when we're hunting a lot of days. <laughs> oh man! And and that that's incredible history. Oh, yeah. But the elk didn't get turned on right away. They were much better there, and these herds had gotten together. They go out in this. This ranch is like 160,000 acres, so in one place, it's 18 18 miles across these rolling grasslands, short grass prairies. Wow. And um, the elk, they're out there, then they slowly move into the mountains uh, and in the trees during the day. Sometimes, sometimes they stay out there all day. And then we move and get the wind behind them, and there'll be 100 elk in the herd. There'll be two or three herd bulls. And they're all, you know, jockeying, and they've got their little groups within the big group. And then there's a lot of satellites. And finally, we were able to get everything right. We were very patient. We took a nap because the wind was wrong within 200 yards of our herd and listened to them. (laughs) Just tearing it up, going crazy. And while we took naps. When the wind got right, we moved in and we killed three of them in one day. Oh my goodness, so, <laughs> that's yeah, awesome! It's it pretty cool. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, no, that, that's sure a blessing for sure. You know, when when you do get them to work with you, you, you I don't know if it's it's probably not the same for you, but with me, when I they're not working, you got to do a lot of work, and then when it all comes together, it's like magic. <laughs> yeah, and, and sometimes it, it can happen too quick and too easy. But it's <laughs> yeah. too easy. But the whole secret to that deal is having somebody who knows how to use a call, how to use a bugle, and have them back up up to 200 yards behind you. Then that's going to put you in the honey hole. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, right on. Well, that sounds like it was a a great time. And then you being able to – I was – I was huffing and puffing at 8,000 feet this year because I normally hunt around 5,500s. So now I feel kind of like I was being a wimp. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you you just need to have your heart and your lungs in good shape because I don't care how hard you try, there's still no oxygen up there. 
<laughs> I bet. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, I, I go throughout the year and, and try to take care of myself just for that. So, but uh, yeah, yeah. it definitely was different than 5,500 feet, I'll tell you that. And I never have gone above that. So it's, maybe someday I'll have to do that. I'll tell you what, we, we've enjoyed the Truth uh, Series, just being a part of that. Um, you know, it's all about timing mm-hmm. in life. Uh, not only the year you were born, the decade, the century, uh, and I've, I've talked about this many times before, but it's a book that really intrigued me. It's called Outliers. Hmm. And Outliers is written by a famous author, a New York Times bestseller, Malcolm Gladwell. And I, I, I recommend to any of your readers who hear this that are interested in reading to get the book Outliers and read it. Oh, yeah. It's an amazing story about the history of mankind and the successes of different individuals in business and when they were born. Really? And yeah, and, and, and not, for instance, all great hockey players were pretty much, I think I forget what the percentage is, I think it's like 90% were born in January, February, or March. I'll be darned. And, and Malcolm Gladwell researched this and figured out why. Huh. And it's a very interesting concept. Uh, and anybody with young children, that are born early or late in the year to understand this concept and to help your children mature and become uh, contributing uh, members of society to know the Lord, yeah. to raise that person. It makes a huge difference to understand that in my yeah. opinion. Um, and for me, I could have never done what I did if the audio cassette hadn't been invented when it was in 1983 i released my first audio cassette on turkey hunting we actually recorded turkey hunts right and you could hear the response everybody would play it in their cars everybody had a cassette recorder player in their car in their house and in 1983 that was huge and then shortly thereafter 86 87 along came the vhs video camera right somebody could buy one fairly inexpensively and go out and record stuff. Now, we used more expensive equipment, which was a little bit more advanced than, than the um, just the everyday ones available to the public. But if it hadn't been for that, if I hadn't had that medium to share with people what we knew and what we were learning uh, on video, the number, we wouldn't have had to reach near as many people. Right. Uh, and, and we wouldn't have been able to watch our hunts and, and dissect our hunts and make better game calls, better elk calls, turkey calls, predator duck calls. We wouldn't have been able to do that because we could hear it, you know, the recordings. It's just amazing, you know, that the fact that I was given that gift to be around during that time. And, then, and also the advent of all the manufacturing procedures invented for medical and automotive. We borrowed from that and we made better products for the hunter. Right. And that, that time has now changed. Now it's all about YouTube. The DVD era is over. So it went from VHS to DVD. We sell over a million of these <laughs> DVDs a year on, on turkey, elk, predator, duck uh, hunting, and share with the public what we were doing, how what was working for us, what wasn't. We all learned together, and that's gone. Now it's all about YouTube. Everybody wants the stuff instantly. Everybody's on their handheld devices. And that world has totally changed. Right. So I couldn't have done what I did if I'd have been born today or if I'd have been born 20 years ago. It just wasn't available. 
I'd have, I'd have to figure something else out. Yeah. So that book talks about Bill Gates, Rockefellers, Vanderbilts. It talks about different industries. It talks about the world. It talks about people from Italy coming to the United States and settling and why they were successful in different communities within the Northeast. It's an amazing book. Yeah. I, I recommend people. They'll learn something, and I think it'll benefit their lives. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to definitely read it for sure. And, and you know, the what you said about being born at the at the time that you were born or, or in the era that you were born, that is so true. You know, I mean, if you look at it, the, the guys that uh, are looking at a lot of the social media and things like that today and trying to – because it's, it's kind of a shift, right? So um, it's, it's kind yeah. of funny how that all works. So, yeah, well, you, you think about this too. I was born in 1952 to parents who loved each other. The greatest yeah. gift my father yeah. ever gave me was his love for my mother. Amen. My daddy is fixing to be 94. Mom is fixing to be 92. Ugh. They just celebrated three weeks ago. That's in uh, September the uh, 11th. Their 70th wedding anniversary. Oh, God bless them! Wow. Yeah, and. The gift that they gave me was a love for Jesus, a love for yep. Christ, an understanding of the sacrifice and what was done, what our Lord did for us yeah. in, in, in bringing his son. And then being able to understand that, being able to be raised in it, educated in it, to understand it, and not only believe it, but know it's true. Sure, right. there's some faith involved. Um, so... I, I just can't say enough. Now, then there's the people who they didn't have parents for whatever reason, or a parent was killed or died early. Still, I look back at what my parents did for me. And my daddy, was a, he's, he's a World War II vet. Mm -hmm. He's a hard-working, incredibly frugal man, a very simple man. And... The world that he was raised in, when sugar was rationed and gas was oh. rationed and every, but but he, his appreciation for life is incredible. Yeah, and to hear his prayers, I was just with him Sunday night, uh. and to hear my daddy bow his head, hold my mother's hand, and to hear him thank the Lord for his children, his three boys, to thank for those three boys, to thank God for allowing him to live this long and to be an influence in their lives. It, it, there's a, I was in Sunday school oh, not long ago, um, and, and my Sunday school teacher made this quote. And it's, it, his son is an Afghan vet. He was, he was blown up in Afghanistan, mm -hmm. and he's a strong Christian and wonderful guy. And he, he, he read this quote that his son had said. And the Sunday school was over, and I walked up to Chuck, and I said, Chuck, I got to have the exact words. I heard the gist of what you said, and I've always believed a tremendous amount in sacrifice. And you sacrifice, you get what you really want. But you never, your son, CJ is his name. I said, CJ never used that word, sacrifice, in what he said, but it said the same thing. And what, he, what, his, what his son said was, he's talking about discipline. And he said, discipline is all about giving up what I think I want today for what I want most tomorrow. Oh, wow. Yeah. And you think about that. That, that applies to salvation. You, you, you give up wanting to play outside, wanting to do what you want to do, to put your head down, yep. and pray, and be with the Lord, and think, and read the Bible, and spend time there. 
so that you can have what you really want, is, which is a fantastic and loving and forgiving relationship with the Lord. Right. So, I, I mean, I just, I just think that is absolutely beautiful. So going back to outliers, I mean, I, mean, I, I can't thank God enough, and I, I, he can convict me very quickly because I've been given so much, <laughs> and I'm so thankful. Um, I was talking to the guy that uh, produces, that's that head of all the programming for Outdoor Channel and Sportsman Channel, and he was telling me about some things in his life, what he was dealing with and so forth. And I said, you know, there's three kind of people in the world, and you have to understand each one, and they can change, but here's what the, the three kind of people I believe that are in the world. One does not want you to succeed. They're jealous. Right. Another person doesn't care if you succeed or not. They don't care if you do, but they don't care. Right, right. You know, they just don't care. Kind of apathetic. And then, and then the third are those that want you to succeed. Well, I want you to succeed. That's me. Uh-huh. And I try to surround myself with those people. I want you to know the loving forgiveness. Oh, yeah. I want you to know the Lord. I want you to be successful in your business. I want you to have a successful marriage. I want you to have a great relationship with your parents. And a lot of times that attitude gets me in trouble because I enter into relationships that I'm trying to help when I just get into a hornet's nest. Right. But bottom line, I want that. And that is another thing that I will say. To, to your viewers, think about those people that you surround yourself with, and you can figure it out even at an early age. You'll find you'll find kids who want you to 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 catch the ball and make the touchdown. Then you're going to find those that are yep. jealous because you do. Yeah, figure that out. Yeah, that's that's anyway. so true, so true. Yeah, and I try to surround myself with people as well that um, that I could actually share with and then they share abroad you know that's that's the way i think the lord if you look at how jesus did things that's how he did it exactly right and you can do the same thing Nate, yep. even with your own children you can teach yep. them to want others to succeed yeah 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 I, yeah that's boy that's a great message for nowadays isn't it with all the stuff that goes mm-hmm. on in social media and everything else that is a excellent, excellent. oh and I, and I don't do social media I don't do Twitter City or whatever it's called. I don't do uh, uh, Facebook. Uh, the company has a Facebook page. And some, uh, yesterday, uh, the, the, uh, there's a guy at my house, and he was doing some plumbing work for me. And uh, he's a big hunter, and he goes, uh, I was over here last week helping your wife uh, fix that uh, fountain deal. And uh, I said, oh, Will's sleeping on a mountain right now. She said, do what? She goes, yeah, they just posted something on Facebook. He's asleep on the side of a mountain. That's where we were waiting for those elk, for the wind to get right, to move in on those elk. One of the guys took a picture and put it on, I don't know if they put it on Twitter City or Facebook or what. But anyway, I said, oh, my gosh, that's too much information. It's worse than that. But anyway, I I just don't do that world. Yeah. I can barely use a cell phone. Yeah, yeah, I I'm I'm kind of in that sometimes, and then sometimes I, I I get along with it pretty well. But so yeah, yeah. Well, you answered you actually answered um, one of my questions already, and and that was uh, how you got into call making. And I think you you 
pretty much answered that. That's pretty neat. I didn't realize that that's what you did as you went out and called and then recorded. I think that's really cool. Well, yeah, but I got into call making as a young. I just loved to hunt. I love I love being outside. I was raised on a small farm, and so I had a pond. I had a place to fish. I had squirrels, rabbits. I didn't have any big game, um, but I had all that to oh, chase yeah. with pellet guns and BB guns. And, yeah, and I, and I loved that world. But as I grew up, my uncles, my daddy's brothers, my daddy, my daddy's daddy came over from Greece in uh, 1908. He landed in New Orleans. They came through New Orleans. His wow. mother brought him. The Turks had killed his daddy and um, had, had taken their land in Greece. So she brought uh, five children, and including my granddaddy, over. Oh, and geez. he was uneducated. He'd been educated a little bit in Greece. But he was an extremely smart man. And he just built his family, married young, married a, a lady from France. Huh. And my daddy was one of the results of that. And... Um, and so as I was raised around my daddy's brothers, which there were, there were three brothers, they were all avid hunters. And they loved, one thing they loved to do was waterfowl, was duck hunting. Yeah. And we were, we were about 45 minutes from the Mississippi Delta, which is the Mississippi River alluvial floodplain, where all the water systems come into the big Mississippi River, right. which is where all the ducks migrate to. And so at eight years old, I, I began to, I, I was, I got to tag along. I got to stand there in my little rubber boots, and, and, and I couldn't go into the swamp with them because I, 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 it was too dangerous. But I get to watch all these huge flights of mallards, and, and I just fell in love with them. Then I began to understand habitat, and I began to understand everywhere where there was great hunting, it was a different style of habitat. And that changes as man influences stuff, but I'm a big conservationist. I love protecting habitat. Oh, yeah. That's why I love the... The National Wild Turkey Federation's, uh, I, I love their slogan, right. save the habitat, save the hunt. If right. you give them habitat, they'll come. If you give the habitat for quail, they'll come. If you give the habitat for turkeys, they'll be there. For elk, they'll be there. Right. Um, it just goes on and on. The RMEF, Ducks Unlimited, I just love those organizations because they're focused. Right. Um, but anyway, that's how I got started making calls. I, Early on, I started making duck calls. I was, I was on my daddy's lathe trying to do stuff and didn't know what I was doing, and they weren't very good. But there was a, one particular call. It was, it was made by a man named Jake Gardner. It was an Arkansas-style call. And there was my Uncle Gus, who is uh, 89. And about uh, three years ago, he came over, and he gave me his Jake Gardner call. It started the whole thing oh, man. in night. 1962, right. when I first tried on a lathe to make my first call. Wow. Then I got into turkey hunting and started making turkey calls and sold my first ones in 1976. Huh. So that's what started Primo's. Wow. Wow, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, you know, uh, over the years, my boys and I have all used Primo's calls. We, you know, I think I still have a winch. Um, that's That call was pretty well known in all of all of our marshes here <laughs> but he, yeah, everybody was using great it yeah duck. it sounds like a duck it's yeah like a exactly it's a wonderful double read call yeah exactly and and you can make those you know the duck low sounds when they're when they're close and stuff like uh-huh. that and yeah we we really uh we've used a lot of your stuff over the years i'll tell you that <laughs> well good thank you um okay now i'm gonna move a little bit kind of shift gears a little bit here and um one of the things that, man, you've spent a lot of time in a lot of different places, 
but I was going to ask you, how do you think that how how do you think the outdoors have helped you um, in your relationship with Jesus? How how has He used that to show you Himself? I think probably the biggest revelation for me there is you if you you live in a city, you live in a world where life is full, and you get up in the morning and you, 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 life gets started very quickly, especially you got children, you got things to do, you got, you got places to go, you got yards to keep up, mm-hmm. you got a house to keep up. Life's full. Yeah. And getting out there and you're hunting, a great, a big, big part of hunting is patience. You can't force things to happen when things aren't ready to happen. You've got to, you got to make it, you know, get, you got to move at the right time. So having that time, hmm. like out west, for instance, in the mountains, up high, right? let's just say you're 6,000 feet or higher, and it's quiet, and you're, you, you, you're, you're there when it gets to be the end of the day, and you see stars that you haven't seen in a while, and you've got time to sit and reflect and to pray and to realize that you need to spend more time mm-hmm. with the Lord that you haven't spent as much time as mm-hmm. you should. And I don't know, there's a closeness that's felt there uh, for me. Um, so in a, in a deer stand, I mean, you think about us whitetail hunters. I mean, you're, you live out there and there's a lot of people out there hunt blacktails or whatever from tree stands. But right. We're, we're going to a spot that we've picked, for a reason, because of food source, because of a travel corridor, uh, because of the of rut activity that's happening in that area. And we climb a tree, and we may sit there for six hours. And you've got a lot of yep. time to observe nature and to think and to pray. Um, it's a time to slow down. Yeah. So I think hunting for me has given me that. My friend Brad Ferris and I, we're here at what we call Cottonmouth, which is on the Mississippi River. It's a place where we produce the Primo's Truth About Hunting TV show uh, for Whitetail, part of our show. Uh-huh. And we were talking this morning, and we were saying, you know, I, I didn't have time to come over here. I didn't have time to do this, but we're here, and we're forced to slow down. We're forced to take a little time to reflect and not be in the hustle and bustle of, right. of life. Even if you take vacation, especially with a family, it's hustle and bustle. <laughs> it's a lot so of work. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it's a lot of work. Exactly. <laughs> so this is a time when it's a different kind of work and it's focused, but there are times when it's when it's a shut down, calm, sit, take it easy, reflect, right. think, pray. So yeah. that's, that's probably uh, the one thing that, that hunting has done for me in my relationship with the Lord. Yeah, be still and know that I am God. exactly love it yeah yeah okay one last thing here and then i'll let you get going so you can be still (laughs) i'm bugging you on your time (laughs) (laughs) but uh one last thing i I was gonna uh, and i think every every one of our listeners you know um i think testimonies on how you came to know the lord i think that's a very powerful thing because that's something that all of us have that's special and uh so I ask all my all my guests um, how they came to know the Lord. Well, I was 
as I've, as I've said, was raised by loving Christian parents mm-hmm. who took me to church who, who um, more than once a week, who, who used the Bible, who read to me the Bible. I still, my mother still has mm-hmm. the Bible um, that she read to me, um, <laughs> all, about, all about the stories of the Bible. And to teach you Jesus' ways, to teach you what Jesus wanted you to know. I mean, it's an incredible book. Um, I'm reading the Bible front to back right now, and it's an incredible book um, to give you a roadmap of life Mm -hmm. uh, in dealing with every aspect of life. But when I was growing up in the summer, from the time I was 10 to 15, I went to a summer camp uh, in, in, in Mentone, Alabama, in the mountains of North Alabama. And it's called Alpine. And it's a great place, still there today, still operated by a wonderful, loving uh, uh, third generation from the, from the owner. And my counselor's name was Julian Fagan, and the other counselor's name was Rick Canada. Both of them were Christians. Julian was a kicker for Ole Miss. I'll be and darn. I, 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 one of the things that I've heard, you know, and grown up with was that you had to stop and you had to ask Christ to come into your life. Well, I was born, a, uh, I felt like I was born a Christian, right, raised right. a Christian. It just was part of life. Right. But they sat down with me and told me how important that was. So when I was 15 years old, in 1967, I still have the letter hmm. that I wrote. My mother saved the letter that I wrote home hmm. to my mother after I knelt down with Julian and Rick and accepted the Lord as my personal Savior. And I'm going to tell you something. I thought that I was a Christian and was and that's what I believed. I believed in Jesus Christ as the Son of the Lord and the race of the dead. Right. And when I did that, it changed. It changed my thinking. It changed my motivation. It changed my guiding light in my life. And I have not always been perfect. And I have strayed. And I have. I have I'm. I'm. I'm not. I'm not perfect. Right. No, I don't right. know anybody that is. Yeah. But through the teachings of my parents and my acceptance of Jesus as my personal Savior, the grace. And the love mm. and the forgiveness and the conviction that goes with those wrong yeah. decisions is front and center. Amen. And, I, and it, 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 has, it, has, it has served me well and yeah. has helped me be a better person yeah. and, and, and be there for others. Uh, I, I, I can't imagine living any other way. Yeah, living the life, right? <laughs> the true life. Yep, living the life. Yeah. That's, right. That's right. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on. You know, um, I owe you a debt of gratitude. Um, my, my, all three of my sons are big, big. I, I bet you they're probably big waterfowl more than anything that they do. And um, every year they have, to, they have to watch your videos and, and Brad and everybody. And I think we have the truth all the way back to like the truth four. 
So yeah. it's, it's <laughs> so your reach. What what I'm trying to say is, is your reach. You know, through media has actually helped shape them. Now they're young men. You know, my oldest is um, twenty. 26 and and so now you've you've shaped them and uh so your reach has gone that far that's why i wanted to get you on here is because i i know the substance that uh what you've been putting well, out I'm, and, I'm i'm honored that y'all took the time to watch and uh i appreciate you reaching out um it's not always easy to work out these schedules as yeah. easy as, uh, as life is but i right. thank you for reaching out and for wanting me to be a part yeah. Well, thank you very much for coming on and tell everybody there where you're at. Uh, have a great, great hunt and enjoy the whitetails and hopefully you guys get something. I'll, I'll be keeping an eye out on the social media to see if you get anything. <laughs> uh, good deal. You'll see, you'll see it before I will. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for coming on. All right. Take care, Nate. Thank you. Thank God you. Bless y'all. God bless you. Thanks for listening to the Life Outdoors podcast. Join the Life Nation by spreading this podcast or by going over to our YouTube channel, giving us a subscribe, or even by following us on Instagram. All these things help spread the life. All right. Thanks, guys, for listening. Keep living. In wild country, rules were not created by man. In wild country... The challenge of what's outside brings you closer to what's inside. Don't miss Wild Country, Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, presented by Expedition Enterprises. It's going to get a little hairy. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.